Hey everyone, before we get started, let me just say that we are so thankful for the great work that's being done across agricultural leadership and the leadership discipline in general. We have tried our best to acknowledge the work of authors as we discuss them in the podcast, but in case we missed it, just let us know and we'll be glad to make sure that we give credit where credit is due. Now, let's head on into the day's episode and engage with the Leadership Combine. Welcome to the Leadership Combine. On today's episode, we'll talk about agriculture, an inclusive industry, the facts and figures regarding diversity in agriculture, while also looking toward the future of the ag industry. We're also discussing the barriers, challenges, and long-term consequences while touching on our part that we can do in diversity in the agriculture industry. Thanks for joining us today, and let's get started. It's time for the Leadership Combine, a place where learning and applying lessons of leadership helps you make a larger impact and become a better and more informed leader. Get ready to engage in leadership, agriculture, community development, and all points in between. This podcast is sponsored by the Agricultural Leadership Discipline at Texas Tech University. Settle in. It's time to start the combine. Well, I have to tell you all, I'm really excited for today's episode. As a reminder, our content experts have been taking a diversity in agriculture course offered through the Agriculture Leadership Discipline at Texas Tech University. Today's guests are Emery, Shannon, Alexa, and Tori. You'll get a chance to learn more about them later in the episode. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Hedrick, and I want to thank you for being with the Leadership Combine podcast today. How are you all? Good for having us. Yeah, good good to have you all. Let's get the combine started. So when we were preparing, I, I got to thinking about superheroes and how superheroes have their own origin story, you know, where they came from in their background. So can you all share with the audience your agriculture origin story? Emery, we'll start with you. Okay. I grew up in inner city Houston and did not have a traditional agricultural upbringing. My parents were not farmers or FFA members, and I had no idea what FFA was before the age of 14. I joined FFA at 14 and continued until I turned 18. I participated in CDEs and LDEs. I showed heifers, pigs, steers, and lambs. And I was also my chapter's first multicultural chapter sweetheart. After my high school FFA career ended, I remained involved in agriculture by showing for the Prairie View A&M University Dairy Goat Show Team. And I was also an active uh, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo JRC committeeman from the ages of 17 to 21. Awesome. Shannon, what about you? Uh, well, I was born into the agriculture industry, and I was riding horses before I could walk. Every Christmas, we'd go work cattle. Um, I was involved in 4-H and FFA every chance I had. I showed breeding sheep from 3rd grade to 12th grade, and I entered my first rodeo at 3 years old. Every weekend was livestock-related, whether we worked cattle, showed sheep, or went to a rodeo. Also, had a four-year career trying to be a rodeo queen. Keyword, trying. Going to high school, I was super involved in FFA, and I was constantly running for office at a speaking contest, a judging, a stock show, a judging competition, or an ag mechanics competition. My senior year of high school, I applied for Texas FFA nominating committee and was blessed to be selected. Being on that committee was one of the greatest experiences of my leadership development and was a great end to my FFA career. Going into my freshman year, I divulged into rodeo and 
uh, ambassadors for agriculture and eventually doubled down on rodeo. I am currently the Texas Tech rodeo team president and co-assistant coach. I also recently picked up my pageant hat again, and I'm the Miss Rodeo Comanche Springs 2021, and I am planning to run for Miss Rodeo Texas in June. Awesome. I feel like I'm learning so much about you all um, from beyond the classroom. So, Alexa, do you want to keep us going? Yeah, so growing up, I was immediately entered into the cheer and dance world as a three-year-old, and for the next few years of my life, that's all I knew. However, once I got into the fourth grade, my dad brought up the idea of showing livestock, something that I had never thought of. As a child, that's something that he always wanted to do but never had the opportunity to do due to cost and the amount of time that he would have to give. While it was an unfamiliar environment for me, I said yes and never looked back on this opportunity. For the next nine years, while still continuing cheer and dance through junior high and high school, I found a passion for the agriculture industry that I did not know was there. Through those nine years, I took part in a variety of contests and showed market goats, lambs, swine, and even cattle. Once I got immersed into my high school FFA program, I was fascinated with the concept of leadership and what that looked like. For the next few years of high school, I had the opportunity to serve as an officer on the chapter, district, and area level. I also had the privilege to serve Texas FFA as a state vice president for the 2020-2021 school year. Through it all, being engaged in this industry has shown me that I'm not only passionate about agriculture, but also the people involved in it. All right, Tori, you can end us out on this question. Cool. Um, so I grew up in Los Angeles, California. So when you think of the big city, you don't think agriculture at all. So I grew up in a very untraditional uh, format of agriculture. Um, I was more concerned uh, when I was younger about joining um, sports teams, basketball, volleyball, um, anything that I can get my hands dirty. And I didn't really think about agriculture when I was younger, unless I was at a farmer's market or a petting zoo. So I wasn't really concerned with it. I know that my mom joined FFA when I was when she was in high school. Um, so me being rebellious, I never wanted to do anything my mom wanted to do. So as soon as I enrolled in high school, I joined the varsity basketball team, varsity volleyball team, anything sports related, I did. Um, but how I got involved in uh, the agriculture classroom FFA is actually pretty funny. Um, we had advisors come to our classroom my eighth grade year and kind of discussing all the programs that they had and I didn't want to hear anything that they had to offer. So when they passed sheets around to sign up for programs, I just signed my name under a random uh, page and I was enrolled in the uh, ag classes. Okay. So that's how I got involved in that. Um, but my ag advisor had a habit of volunteering people what mm -hmm. to do. So that is how I got started in speaking competitions. And I was the first girl and the first person in my FFA chapter to break records since 1997, my mom's graduating class. So because of that, I uh, ran for president of my chapter and have held that position from my sophomore year to my senior year, mm -hmm. and I continued to break records within my region. So now I'm a huge advocate of FFA, and I think everyone should at least join a chapter just to get a feel with it because it's an amazing industry. All right, thanks. I, I, you said a word, uh, voluntelling. Yes. And I feel like in agriculture, we get voluntold that we're going to try something or learn something a lot. Now, that was my experience growing up in 4-H. And um, I don't know. I, I think that's part of our, our characteristics and our backbones is that maybe we don't always jump to the challenge, but when others challenge us, we, we jump in on that. So. Okay, so... I got a lot about your background story, but I have to ask, since I brought up superheroes earlier and you all just shared your ag origin stories, 
Does anyone have an ag superpower? Uh, well, I think it might sound cheesy, but I've always had a really good connection to animals, always been around animals. So if I had to put a name to it, maybe like Animal Whisperer. Oh, okay. Very good to know. You are for hire, correct? I'm sure that some of our, our listeners might want to bring you in. Anybody else with a superpower? I had this nickname in my chapter. I was called the Dictator uh, because I was the only one that seemed to get anything done and was the only one who heard my chapter into doing anything. So I feel like I'm a pretty good leader if I'm getting a dictator nickname. I took it as a compliment. I don't know what it meant. Sounds like you're a mover and a shaker. Thank so, you. Yeah, you know, that's how I look at it. Um, I think for me, something that I really like took away from the ag industry and just like, I guess my specialty was probably pre being pretty good or like learning how to build those professional yet keeping them personal relationships. And especially being a Hispanic female serving on the state officer team, that allowed me to kind of reach those members um, that look like me and kind of give them their own opportunity to have their voice heard. Okay, great. I don't have an impressive resume like Lexi, but <laughs> my superpower is getting the craziest heifers possible. They're out for blood. That would be my superpower. Okay. <laughs> hey, everything that you all mentioned is something that we need in the world. So uh, I appreciate what you bring to the ag industry. So in this class, we've talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion. What does diversity look like in agriculture today? And what do you think it's going to look like in five years? Shannon? Uh, well, diversity in ag has come a long way in the last 50, 30, and even 20 years. There are more women farmers and ranchers, and there are also more people of color involved in the industry. But on the contrary, a large majority of successful farmers and ranchers are multi-generational. And so there's not much additional diversity progressing, and there are not very many new uh, people coming into the industry. According to Markets Insider, while there are more than 2 million farmers in the U.S., farmers and ranchers only make up 1.3% of the labor force. Only 1.7 of those are Black-owned farms. And furthermore, according to the U.S. Census of Agriculture, 36% of farmers in the U.S. are women. I do hope that in five years, diversity will be broader and that it will be an easier topic to talk about in more communities. I think that we are progressing as an industry because we have a higher number of first-generation agricultural students, and there are there's a wave of LGBTQ farmers surfacing and starting their own legacy. Awesome. And so when you talk about this and kind of that five-year ahead, I think, too, that because of some of the same things you talked about, that we're beginning to see um, this kind of rural um, emergence happen. And that our rural communities are changing and progressing because of this. Mm -hmm. So just kind of goes to prove that diversity, when we recognize it, when we um, acknowledge it, it just makes communities and the industry stronger. So what are the barriers that limit our ability to be diverse and inclusive? Emery? So there is a major lack of outreach programs geared toward minorities and individuals with disabilities. Many black farmers also choose to not get assistance from the USDA due to the department's legacy of racism and discrimination, which is a major barrier that we still need to overcome in this industry. We need to have equity so that everyone can be empowered with equal opportunities to succeed in this field. Black farmers feel as if there is a wealth gap and more contingencies when they apply for farming loans between white farmers and black farmers, which is hindering their success in this field as well. 
I also think that there is a major disconnect between the agriculture field and many people throughout the country is that people only focus on the farming aspect of agriculture and many people do not realize that their ag field is more than just farming. There are careers in ag law, finance, insurance, research, and more inner city kids are not taught about how broad the ag field actually is and how you can be involved in agriculture no matter what your cultural, socioeconomic background is. I think you raised some really good points um, when you talked about that. So that, that just kind of leads me to another question. How could we raise awareness about the diversity of agriculture jobs? I think that we, agriculture is more focused in the rural areas. I think if we broaden our horizons and bring it more towards inner city, like Houston, for example, I can count on one hand how many FFA programs and ag programs there are in the schools near me. And there aren't many. Many kids are having to leave their schools to come to schools like Bel Air to join FFA and even get a better understanding of what agriculture truly is. So we can start small in schools and let kids learn more about agriculture through that way. So, so really kind of broaden our own horizons in ag. Um, We, in agriculture, we know that we do a good job and we know that we're feeding the world and those sort of things. But I think that sometimes we don't go to the audiences that we need to with some of that. So I think that's a good point. So we've talked a little bit about the future, but Alexa, what are the long-term consequences if we ignore diversity and inclusion? So traditionally, when we look at the agricultural industry, we can picture a white man out in the field with maybe a bale of hay. Today, with an increasing number of producers and individuals working in the ag industry, we also see an increased percentage in the number of women and minorities involved in all sides of the ag industry. While we see some big companies like John Deere and Cargill promoting their DEI missions on their platforms, there's still work to be done when it comes to creating an inclusive workplace environment in all agricultural sectors. If we aren't portraying these diverse backgrounds to the public, we begin to build a sort of negative self-image that can result in a declining number of individuals going into the industry and possibly a declining number of producers. Speaking on the Texas FFA Association, During my time as a state officer, I had the opportunity of serving as our Celebrating Differences Committee Chair, in which we looked into more ways that we can be an inclusive and diverse organization to better be able to serve all members of Texas FFA. Um, Texas FFA is the largest state association in all of the national FFA organizations, with nearly 142,000 Texas FFA members. And so having the opportunity to really look into that and dive into how we can better serve and equip each Texas FFA member to go out into the work field knowing that they have their own voice is something that is extremely important. And that is something that we started looking at this past year. Overall, if we begin to ignore diversity and inclusion as an industry, we're also ignoring the possibility of creating a diverse generation of leadership. As a group, we have the image of being traditional in our ways. However, it's time we change the stigma and become an industry known for the way we build those bridges through the way that we empower celebrate and strengthen each and every voice involved. I love that idea of building bridges. And I think that when we begin to build those bridges in agriculture, it extends to our communities, rural, urban, suburban, all all the communities, but it kind of goes back to what Emory talked about as well, um, letting people know those opportunities and um, having those bridges there for them to kind of bridge the gap. So as agricultural advocates, What are you doing to ensure that people feel valued and included in our industry? Tori? 
Well, I usually share my story of how I got involved into agriculture. Um, it's very untraditional in the sense of I didn't grow up in a farming or ranching town um, or family in that fact. Um, I grew up in a very large city where we didn't think about agriculture. But if you think about California, it's one of the largest agricultural contributors to the U.S. And I didn't know that. So um, I feel that if I, I do share my story to people who ask me how I got involved in the industry and I feel that it, it gives people a sense of inclusion to where um, they can feel comfortable getting involved themselves. You don't have to be born into a ranching, farming family or a town or city or anything like that. You Anyone can be in, in agriculture. Um, in that same sense, it, it's not just herding cattle or growing plants. It's communication, it's lawyers, marketing, engineers, public speakers, anyone can be involved in agriculture. It's such a huge industry to be a part of. It is, and it's widely diverse um, in careers. And I don't think people are informed enough of different pathways you can take in agriculture. So in that sense, I feel that us as advocates, it's kind of our job to let people know that there's so many things you can do in agriculture. And I, I believe that it, it does start with a story. That's how you get people more engaged, mm -hmm. I believe. And it's no one person's the same. Exactly. And, and agriculture is the same. It's it's not the same for everyone. My experience growing up on a tobacco and timber farm in Kentucky is different than someone who um, who was raised on a cattle farm or um, an orange grow farm and, and those sort of things. We all have different experiences and different things that we're bringing to the industry. So. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So I think after hearing from everyone today, I'd like to ask you to, to share ways that we can be more inclusive and equitable in the field of agriculture. Even outside of ag, what are some examples that you've seen that have worked? I think in the field of agriculture, um, I just go back to thinking local. And for me, this obviously looked like serving for Texas FFA again. Um, but in the Texas FFA, we have contests like LDE, CDEs, and speaking development events. And one of those LDEs is Spanish Creed speaking. And so I think that's a really extremely important um, leadership development event that isn't often promoted because a lot of our ag teachers might not be aware or might not have students that maybe know about this contest. But being from Mission, Texas, we are very Hispanic populated. And so this was a contest that we always took part in. Um, and recently, this Spanish Creeds contest recently became a, an advancing contest instead of just an invitational for the state level. And so I think that's a really good opportunity to be able to bring more awareness, especially for other Hispanics in Texas today. I had no clue that that was a contest. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Anybody else? Uh, I think one of the first lessons I learned going into FFA was that agriculture isn't everything. It's in your makeup. It's in your daily life. It's literally in everything. And so I think educating people and the general public on that fact uh, really helps a lot. And to show them that without agriculture, they wouldn't have a lot of the things that they have. Uh, I also, um, on the inclusive side, uh, I think that just bringing in the general public and letting them see your side of things is really helpful. Like 
the Texas Tech rodeo team does a exceptional kids rodeo every year and all all of them can ride on a horse and do things like that and not necessarily that, that they're ever going to go into the ag industry but it helps them helps educate people and it helps educate even their parents on different things on the rodeo uh, industry absolutely and you're you're being more um, inclusive and inviting them in and teaching them what some of those opportunities are. You know, kind of piggybacking on what Shannon said, um, talking more outside of the agriculture industry um, in the sense of inviting people and everything like that, I think it takes just being kind and, and just being that person to get more people involved into anything, even uh, things outside of agriculture. And I think that's something that a lot of people do skip on, uh, just being a friendly person with a kind face and a welcoming smile, welcoming smile. Because um, sometimes that just it, that's all it takes to get somebody involved into anything or um, even showing them how great whatever you're trying to broadcast is. It's just, just be a kind person is what I say to get uh, people more involved or even just to be inclusive. Absolutely. That's a that's a great way. Right. So you're dipping a little bit into your emotional intelligence right now, okay? Um, and so we, we um, had a previous episode about emotional intelligence. So when, when we think about that, I, I think that just that casual, how are you, smile, and accepting people for who they are and, and not asking to change that and just letting them be who they are on the identity wheel or beyond is, I think that's important. Any, anything else? Going back to kind of what I what I had said earlier and starting small, like even with high school FFA, my chapter was big on community involvement. So our officers would go on morning shows and explain what FFA is and how agriculture is important to our everyday life. Just things like that help get the community more involved in agriculture and give people a better understanding of what we do and why it's important. So I really appreciate you all sharing your own stories today and helping us to see how we can provide equity and be more inclusive across the ag industry. My hope after today is that our audience understands the importance of this for the future of agriculture. We know from research, personal experiences, and history that when people feel valued, included, heard, seen, and that they have equity with others, they're happy, they're more creative, more innovative, they achieve more, and they have better success. I could keep going on. You all know that I could talk about that um, for a while. But I think that the point I want to make is know that diversity has its place in the ag industry. The way that we provide equity for others is important, and the way that we invite people to be themselves and to be inclusive in the industry is important. So thank you all for bringing that, that lesson and that content for us today. So let's have our guests tell you more about themselves. Tell the audience who you are, where you're from, and your major. Hi, my name's Shannon Wyertz. I am from Fort Stockton, Texas, and I'm a double major of animal science business and agate. Hi, I'm Emery Washington, and I'm from Houston, Texas, and I am a agriculture education major. Hi, I'm Tori Melchor. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I am an ag leadership major. Hi friends, my name is Alexa Salinas and I am from Mission, Texas and I am a senior agricultural leadership major. Thank you all so much for being here. I really have enjoyed it and I hope you all have enjoyed the experience. 
Well, that's all for this episode of the Leadership Combine. I hope you've enjoyed learning as much as we've had discussing agriculture and diversity. Join us for our next episode of the Leadership Combine. Tell your friends if you're enjoying listening and learning from our young agriculturalist. Don't forget to like and subscribe to get future updates. From our combine to yours, make it a great day. Thank you for riding along today in the Leadership Combine. The purpose of this podcast is to make you think about the intersection of leadership, agriculture, community development, and all points in between. No matter where you're listening from, thanks for your support and tell others. You can engage with us on Instagram and Twitter at TTUAG Leadership. Till next time, you've been listening to the Leadership Combine.